This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk this morning. Are you passionate about video games? Do you think they can be used to change the minds and spur action? I'm going to be speaking to you, well, somebody else will be speaking to you a little bit today, about a thing called Games by Gus. And it's an initiative by the US Embassy of KL in collaboration with the BGBG Initiative and Synapse, which aims to empower Malaysian game creators to produce socially conscious video games by honing their game design and narrative skills through training and mentorship, uh, providing valuable networking opportunities and exploring issues of social importance and a and civic engagement. Now, this was a workshop and a game jam that happened here in KL uh, between May the 26th and May the 29th. And to open that session, they had two keynote speakers. Uh, Margaret Moser, who's a professor and interactive media and games division at the School of Cinematic Arts at the University of Southern California. She's an associate professor at USC um, and an experienced developer and designer. 20 years of professional experience her work has been shown at Come Out and Play, Games for Change, and the Baby Castles Guerrilla Game Gallery in Brooklyn. She's also spoken at the GDC and AlterConf, and led workshops on game development in Tokyo, Medellin, and KL. And her research interests include alternative reality experiences and persuasive games related to health and environmental issues. She holds an MFA in design and technology from Parsons. Also attending and the other keynote speaker was Lindsey Grace. He is the night chair in interactive media and an associate professor at the University of Miami School of Communications. He's also vice president for the Higher Education Video Games Alliance and the 2019 recipient of the Games for Change Vanguard Award. His book, Doing Things with Games, Social Impact Through Design, is a well-received guide to game design in 2020. He edited and authored Love and Electronic Affection, a design primer on designing love and affection in games. He's also given talks at the Game Developers Conference, South by Southwest, Games for Change Festival, and the Online News Association. So they were in KL just a few days ago, and I managed to pin them down for just a few minutes to get their thoughts on Games by Gus, the gaming industry as a whole, the playbook of gaming, and digital disruption, amongst other things. First up, here's Margaret Moser. Can you just tell me a little bit about Games Bagus and, and your interest and your involvement in it, please? Yes, of course. Uh, I was invited to do this workshop um, as part of the U.S. State Department initiative here. Uh, mm. the, the State Department is interested, I believe, in the, um, <clears throat> the development of the digital economy here in, in Malaysia, and also in uh, forwarding some sort of pro-social causes, uh, such as um, talking about trafficking in persons, talking about climate change, mm. uh, making those things kind of part of the conversation when we talk about digital games, since games can be so much more than entertainment. Yeah. Uh, that is one of the things that I find most interesting about games as, as someone who uh, thinks about and, and writes about and, and works with them, is that they have that power to, um, to change people, to change how we behave, to change how we think. Mm -hmm. uh, 
that's uh, it's very exciting to me to come to a new place and learn about the issues that are here and the people, the things that people care about here, mm-hmm. and to see the way that that they are going to choose to frame those issues and, and turn them into uh, presumably fascinating cultural products. Right. Is it your first time in Malaysia? It is. Yes. Right. I, just kind of going off script a little bit here. What what have you seen here in Malaysia in, in terms of the industry that excites you? Well, I've I've been talking to the folks here at uh, Medica, and my understanding is that this is a really exciting moment uh, mm-hmm. in the local game industry. That um, there there's an, an established set of um, companies that that make games that mostly work with American companies that make the kind of big AAA games mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so there's a lot of skill around, but that the excitement of this moment is that it's starting to become more of a Malaysian thing, that, <clears throat> that we're starting to see what we would call an independent game scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. Malaysians making their own games and not just sort of working for uh, other other people. Mm-hmm. It's tremendously exciting because um, it, it just adds that much more interest to games as a whole. We have plenty of American games, in my opinion. <laughs> plenty. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm excited to see you know, there, there's just so much that we haven't done with games yet mm. as, a, as a cultural forum. There's so much opportunity and so many fascinating things we can do. And uh, having more people from more cultures working in them is going to bring us to those new places uh, mm-hmm. in a way that's tremendously exciting. Have you had any uh, chance to play any of these local Malaysian games yet? I have not. <clears throat> that is one of the things that I'm looking forward to most about this workshop, uh, that we're going to see uh, not just the games that people make during the workshop, but also um, there's a session tomorrow night where we will mm. be playing uh, board games made by Malaysian designers. Uh, there's one called Reef Stakes uh, that is about uh, kind of the struggles to manage uh, coral reefs in a sustainable way. Rimba is is another one that is also about um, ecological issues. Uh, mm. and the board game that we've been talking about uh, that's set in Penang, Kakilima. Uh, is another board game that, that focuses on the, the sort of unique architectural and cultural spaces in, in uh, Penang. Right, right, right. And yeah. I'm not unfortunately going to make it to Penang on this trip, so that's going to be my sort of virtual trip to Penang. But uh, getting to see how people have represented those those cultural spaces uh, in, in an interactive form like that is um, one of the things I'm looking forward to most. Mm. Penang's for your next trip, Margaret. Yes, I, I very much yes. hope. I've had so many okay. Is in my life that I can't wait to actually go to Penang. And- Let's talk a little bit about how how large the, the gaming industry is right now, and what do you see growth is going to be like over the next couple of years, and how do you think Southeast Asia fits into that marketplace? Sure. So I, I want to sort of bracket this by saying that I, I am an academic, uh, mm. less than a business person, but I can say that. Games have been growing uh, pretty steadily for decades, and in the last couple of years, especially because of the pandemic, uh, we've seen huge amounts of growth uh, as people have been kind of staying inside more and looking for ways to connect digitally or, or virtually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that although the, the pandemic is in some ways it's kind of leveling off, people are coming out more. Um, we were able to eat in a restaurant just now, for example. Um, but even though that's happening, that that a lot of people who sort of were introduced to games for the first time as a way to interact with other people, that those people are going to stay. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to think that they would, like they may change what they're playing, but they're now sort of part of the, the world of people who play games. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that will be sustained. I think that that's a, a, a change, in other words, in the marketplace and not just sort of a, a blip. Uh, unfortunately, part of the, the story of the pandemic has been 
that we have some economic pressures uh, to mm. deal with. There's been a lot of displacement of people who worked in certain jobs and, and so forth. And one of the interesting things about games is that they are somewhat countercyclical. Mm. Uh, that when people are having more of a, a hard time finding work, when they have more leisure time because they're they're having a hard time finding work, uh, they will often turn to games because they're a relatively cheap form of entertainment. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and they, they can be a source of, of comfort and and kind of sustenance in a way when you are dealing with a, a difficult time. Yeah. Um, yeah. as, as many people found in the pandemic, playing games like Animal Crossing um, as a form of, of community and, and finding support, even though things were, were very hard. Right, right. Do you think the, the, the playbook ha has evolved? And do you see a, more of a push towards um, development for things like handheld devices? There's been a trend towards mobile for a long time. That's where the majority of the growth has come uh, in, in games for the past several years anyway. Right. Uh, seeing some interesting uh, new devices that are handheld, such as the the Switch, mm -hmm. which debuted around the start of the pandemic and was just a huge, huge hit for Nintendo. And I, I suspect that that will lead to more handheld devices that are not phones. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, in general, the the movement, the the growth, the the economic growth in, in games has mostly come from mobile. Uh, right. All kind of a VR bubble as well. I think that we're kind of at the end of the bubble. Uh, as with every bubble, it, it's not. It's not something that just comes and goes. There's always sort of a thing that, that moves forward or, or something mm -hmm. that was left behind. And so we'll, we'll continue to see virtual experiences. I, I think we're going to see a lot more in-person virtual experiences. I know that sounds like a, a contradiction, but uh, in, Los Angeles, <laughs> in Los Angeles, for example, there are places where you can go for a dedicated virtual experience. Uh, and some involve uh, being in a VR headset. Uh, but having being in a room where people can like hand you actual real world objects that you can touch, even as your avatar in the virtual world is uh, picking up, picking them up and handling them. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of crossover um, in, in that space as well. That sounds fantastic. Uh, it's fascinating. And I, I think that, you know, it's it's only a matter of time until such things happen here if they haven't already. But uh, yeah, I think in, in the short term, we're, we're still looking at a lot of growth in, in mobile. I think there's still new audiences there. Um, I think we're seeing more women. Women have always been kind of a, the driving audience in, in mobile mm. games, but I think that that's continuing. Uh, and wherever there's new audiences, that's where the growth comes, right? So, mm -hmm. Okay, works. I've just got a couple more questions before I let you go then, uh, Margaret. Um, we, we, we've been, for the last two years or so, we've been talking about digital disruption, uh, particularly in business as well. But in other, other aside from business, how, do, how has it been touching upon the, the gaming industry? Yeah, it's interesting because games are already digital. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you would think they couldn't be disrupted, but they can. Uh, the, the sort of big moment for us came a few years ago, I think, because um, we started seeing the rise of digital storefronts, uh, mm -hmm. such as Steam uh, and, and such as the App Store, where uh, it no longer required finding a publisher to print a physical disc uh, to become a, a game that someone plays. So we, we saw right. that kind of disruption where quote unquote, anyone can make a game. Yeah. Um, but the other interesting thing that has happened over the last probably seven or eight years is that the means of production, the, the game engines that you can use to make um, these big, bigger big digital games uh, have become free. Mm -hmm. uh, so Unity is a big, is a big game engine uh, and they really, they were the first kind of commercially viable 3D engine that was free. And because of that, other companies had to uh, change their licensing structure as well to make for example, Unreal Engine free. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that has really started to create a kind of disruption that I think is more similar to to what we're talking about when we say digital disruption, 
mm-hmm. in uh, it really did take away the, the barriers for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Uh, and, and that has created a profound change in who is making games and who is playing them. But I think right. we're still seeing how that's going to play out. Okay. Um, I've just got one last question for you, Margaret, before I can let you uh, go and hopefully crash and get rid of some of that jet lag. <laughs> so Games Bagos, it's an initiative to help drive social change through digital games. Can, can you just give me a couple of examples where this has happened previously? Sure. There, there's a lot of examples. Um, they, they tend to be kind of smaller, more targeted examples. Uh, in that, like, When I say the names of these games, you're not going to be like, oh, of course, it's like Halo. Uh, <laughs> But there's a thriving culture of them. Uh, and I can right. give you a couple of examples from um, from USC, the, my university where I work. Uh, mm-hmm. There's actually a student game that came out of our thesis program, of, our, our master's program a few years ago called Stepstone Island, uh, which is on the App Store. And it's a, um, a game that is about taking your real world steps, right? So it uses yeah. the step counter that's built into your phone. Uh, and it turns it into a story where you're kind of rebuilding an island and forming a community by walking around on this island and meeting other characters. Uh, and it really weaves story and um, the sort of physical aspect of it together in a, in a fascinating way. And it, it, the, the student who made it did some before and after studies and uh, research and found that it did in fact uh, increase people's um, steps per day by a, a pretty significant number. Um, there's another another example would be something that I'm actually working on in a research context with uh, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles right now, mm-hmm. uh, which is focused on communication styles. Uh, so the, the young people who are playing it are, are given a game in which they sort of role play having a difficult conversation with their romantic partner. Mm-hmm. And they learn how to advocate for themselves, how to be assertive uh, and not fall into a more sort of passive or overly aggressive communication style. Uh, and that too is based on research uh, and, and on a program that's been effective, uh, that's been studied and found effective over the past ten years or so. So the the excitement is to me is that it's it's not just kind of guessing whether these things are having a social impact. We can measure them. We can say right. that they're actually changing behavior. Yeah. They're changing yeah. people's attitudes. They're changing their um, the way that they move around in space, uh, just like Pokemon Go did. Yeah. Pokemon Go, of course, was not intended as a serious game, but it had the effect of. Uh, having people move around more. It did. In, in, in public spaces and mm-hmm. in places and potentially meeting people um, in a way that, that turned out to be very pro-social. That yeah, yeah. Turned out to be very beneficial for a lot of people. Yeah. Brilliant. Margaret, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolute pleasure meeting you. That was Margaret Moser. I'll be back in just a few moments where I managed to speak with Lindsay Grace. More on Games Bagus and the BGBG initiative alongside Synapse after these messages here on Tech Talk on BFM 89.9. Business-filled minds, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Of course, this is Tech Talk. I'm speaking with both Margaret Moser and Lindsay Grace today about the workshop and game jam that they had here in KL about Games by Goose, an initiative by the US Embassy KL in collaboration with the BGBG Initiative and Synapse, which aims to empower Malaysian game creators to produce socially conscious video games 
by honing their game design and narrative skills through training and mentorship, providing valuable network opportunities, and exploring issues of social importance and civic engagement. If you're only just joining us just a few moments ago, I spoke with Margaret Moser. Coming up now, it is Lindsay Grace. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, how are you? I'm very well, Lindsay. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today. Absolutely. Happy to do so. Are you as jet lagged as well? Uh, I've had two more days, uh, so I guess I'm I'm healing. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little better. Yes. Okay. So I can go a little bit tougher on you then today, can I? <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Lindsay, obviously you've been here a couple of days now. Tell me about um, your impression of Games by Gus, uh, your interest and your involvement within it, please. Certainly. So I've uh, been engaged in designing social impact games for more than 15 years. I've written a book mm-hmm. called Doing Things with Games about social impact uh, and how to design such games. And so the last two days, I've had an opportunity to talk to a variety of, um, of organizations and individuals, uh, primarily in Penang and here in KL. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see some of the activities that are happening. So I've talked to students um, as young as 12 years old at, um, at uh, the Pintar Genius organization uh, and seen uh, sort of a glimmer in their eyes about this idea around making impact through their games. Mm-hmm. Um, to University of Science, um, USM, uh, and uh, seeing PhD students who are actively engaged in trying to improve the world through either games or trying to increase engagement design uh, in computer science and looking at some of the habits that games uh, offer in order to encourage people to be more involved in uh, mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. What Have you learned anything whilst you've been here from, from these students? Uh, I've learned some. I've learned a, a bit more about the culture of games around here. There's a real energy, a real curiosity. I think there's a ton of potential uh, for more indie game designers and a genuine interest in in creating impact through games. Yeah, uh, I, I'll ask you the same question that I asked Margaret a little bit earlier about uh, you know the gaming industry. Um, I've been speaking about it, it uh, from the business side of things, you know, for a while. Uh, but can, in your mind, when you know you're, you're writing about these things, you're developing like you know, can you tell me what the the growth is is going to be like uh, for the next couple of years? Do you think, and and how Southeast Asia will fit into this this growth marketplace? Uh, certainly. So most projections generally from the industry um, show double digit growth for this particular region, so Southeast Asia. Uh, yeah. Globally, one of the things that I think is interesting is, is for years, China's kind of led the um, led the growth space. Uh, but as they've changed politically in their interest in games, you actually saw the U.S. overtake as a, as a per dollar growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, first year in a few years, first time in a few years. And then I think the other interesting thing is that you're seeing um, a a wider uh, demographic, more people playing games uh, than you have in the past. And I I think one of the reasons that you're seeing growth in this region is because uh, partly due to the pandemic and partly due to an appreciation of the the medium itself, Mm. you're seeing a wider set of people playing. Earlier when I spoke with Margaret, I asked her about, you know, how the playbook had evolved. And it wasn't all that long ago that I was speaking to somebody who was telling me about the huge amount of people who are playing, you know, mobile games and how that in Southeast Asia is the big thing. Do you see this this push toward development for, for, for more handheld devices, too? 
Absolutely. I, I mean, I think if, if I were to tell anyone to make sure that they get the largest market, I think anything that is um, is mobile friendly is going to make sense. Uh, I think in other markets, it makes sense to design for console, but um, the basically what we'd call sort of market penetration, the number of people who actually have access to mobile devices, the computing power available on the average mobile device, all make mm. it a really nice platform and what we call a ubiquitous platform. Yeah. In social impact games, what we try to do is encourage people to design experiences that can be played for five minutes, and it's mm-hmm. a perfect platform for that. And I think years ago, 10 years ago, everyone was worried about, say, console, or they're worried about home PCs. And the truth is that that's a very different play experience. You sit yeah. down, you, you say, I'm going to allocate an hour for game playing. But yeah. with mobile games, I can, you, know, you might have seven games on your um, device that you flip through in a day. Yeah, yeah. Do you think then, Lindsay, that that makes almost everybody a gamer? Absolutely. I think that's one of our goals. Uh, And I honestly, depending on who you speak to, uh, some people would say that um, on average, if you think of the average person playing at least one game a week, we could get as high as 80% of the population being a gamer. And so that description of a gamer has changed over the years. So I think at one point we thought, well, only if you owned a console and played it at least 20 hours a week. And I think as we expand that understanding, we recognize that many of us need games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Having a console and playing 20 hours per week, that sounds like my youth. <laughs> okay, um, just before I let you go then, Lindsay, um, uh, you know, I've got a couple of questions again. Digital disruption. Um, Margaret uh, briefly mentioned things like the App Store, uh, Steam, uh, and some of the other online uh, gaming marketplaces. How else do you see digital disruption within the gaming industry? Certainly. So I think there are a couple of um, there are a couple of changes. Uh, I think that part of the digital disruption that occurred is is particularly through the pandemic. One of the things we were doing is spending a lot of time in front of our traditional screens, and right. I think this has been a great opportunity. Uh, and I'm seeing some growth in this space for what we call place or location based games. So mm-hmm. what we call extended or augmented reality games. I think this is one of the areas of disruption. Instead of saying I can play this game anywhere, no, I have to go to this museum. I have to go to this monument and play the game there. Right. Uh, that's one of the interesting disruptors that could have a huge impact on the way we experience the outside world mm-hmm. um, and the way that we interact with other individuals. Mm-hmm. On the other side, I think some of the major digital distributions have to, or disruptions have to do with the change in the way that we distribute and produce games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think most people recognize that the cost of production for uh, a game that could be a top 100 on the App Store is much lower than it's ever been. Uh, mm-hmm because game engines are cheaper, but also because uh, what we call art assets, the the graphics that you see in a game, have also been kind of commoditized so that it's easy for you to buy specific types of assets within a store. Contracting uh, artists and contracting musicians, you can collect these assets yourself and assemble almost like Legos Mm -hmm. the game that you want to create. So it's democratizing the gaming industry. Absolutely, and I love that phrase. I would I would underscore it three times. Democratizing the game industry is what many of us who've been in the industry for a long time have been trying to do. Give mm-hmm. more, more access to games, and what you do is produce more games that are more appealing to wider audiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, then just to wrap up then, um, uh, Games by Gus, as we know, is an initiative to drive social change through digital games. Could you give me a couple of examples too, please? Uh, Certainly. So some of the examples I tend to go back to every time are games like Spent, which is a game designed to help people understand the struggle of poverty. Other examples that I think work really well in this space are um, games around uh, 
news. So there have been, for example, we produced a few games around understanding the challenges of commuting in an, an environment where there aren't good um, uh, commuting infrastructures. So we did a game mm-hmm. about Washington, D.C., and while the trains were failing, basically it was a sort of choose-your-adventure that reminded you of the importance of a good infrastructure. Uh, another example uh, that I think is is useful is uh, my colleague at the University of Miami has been working with what we call the Nerd Lab, which is a, a combination of students working within a game studio and um, dissolve, re- resolving and creating interesting uh uh, social impact games, uh, they've created a couple of games around understanding or increasing empathy for various roles within society. So they have, for example, one on restaurant workers uh, called Unsavory, and it reminds you of how difficult it is for the average restaurant worker to go take a break to get a health examination or to yeah. some of the other work that's essential to doing your work well. And it's about appreciating all the labor that went into making um, other people's lives livable and reasonable during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. There you go then, folks. That was both Margaret Moser and Lindsay Grace speaking about Games Bagus, the workshop and game jam that happened here in KL on May the 26th to May the 29th. If you want any more information about this and some of the other initiatives that they might be running, check out the website. It is gamesbagus.my. I've been Rich Bradbury for Tech Talk here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.